Welcome to Words Matter, a series of informal conversations with people sharing words that matter to them. Whether it's quotes, poems, lyrics or film clips, words have the power to inspire us, provoke new thoughts and even change the way we live our lives. I'm your host, Kevin Watson, and I've been interested in how words engage, ignite and direct our imagination, not only as a coach for the past 17 years, but for as long as I can remember. In each episode, my guests will share words that matter to them, where they've come from, and why they play such an important part in their life. I have three great guests for you today, starting off with probably one of the most generous people I've ever met, Alan McIntosh. When I, when I sat back and thought about this, I thought, right, what is it that you you remember? You may not remember all the words, but what aspects or what sections do you remember? Yeah. Um, there's, uh, I, I come from Burns country. Yeah. Robert Burns. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a Scottish and an English element to this. Okay, cool. And uh, in, coming from this neck of the woods in Ayrshire, um, Robert Burns was born just down the road in Alloway. Um, you had Burns poetry, Burns songs, basically rammed into you as a primary yeah. school kid. <laughs> you know, and a lot of it was, oh, God. But there were certain things came out, sort of thing, and, you know, took part in the Burns song competition. But it's a couple of things from his poetry which really resonated with me and have stuck with me since I was a kid. One poem is um, um, A Man's a Man. Yeah? I yeah. don't know if you've heard of that at all. No, 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 no. Well, but the final four lines of that is, for all that and all that, it's coming yet for all that. That man to man, the world over, shall brothers be for all that. And basically what it's saying, if you can read through the Scots, is that we're all equal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's the way I was kind of brought up at, uh, at home was very much my parents brought me up to... Um, respect people for being people. It didn't matter whether they were uh, black, yellow, white, green. It didn't matter yeah. whether they were rich or poor. Uh, it didn't matter whether they were Catholic, Protestant, uh, Hindu, whatever. People were people. Yeah. And for me, that, these four lines really kind of sum, sum that up, you know, shall brothers be for all that. And I think that kind of shaped my values as I've, I've gone through the life. Yeah. It's the way we've kind of brought up uh, and, our kids as well. And as I say, that that's that, that was what would intrigue me is, did that um, shape something that was already there because of your parents' influence as well? In other words, did it kind of resonate during your childhood because it matched your experience with your parents? Or did it give you something else on top? I, I think it probably reinforced... The way we were brought up. Okay. I first probably read this when I was about nine or ten years old. Yeah. Um, and it probably didn't resonate at that point. But the fact that it stuck with me yeah. right through life, you know, 50 odd years later, yeah. uh, I can still relate that to that. And I still i am very passionate and very strong in terms of uh, one of my key values is about equality. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's got me into trouble in the past, but I stick to it. <laughs> um, and uh, 
it, it is just one of these very, very powerful series of lines that yeah. has kind of reinforced me as a person. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. So it's interesting. I, I, you know, values, we all know they, they're always going to get you into conflict at some point, whatever the value is, because other people don't necessarily hold them or, or act out in the same way that we might expect those values to be acted out. To be. But, mm-hmm. but by and large, that, that's been a code of your life, right? That, that has been reinforced when you kind of return to that poem, when you return to that po- uh, prose. It, it, it always kind of plays out in terms of equality. High yeah. value for you. Absolutely, absolutely. It's very high value for, for, for me as well. And uh, it, uh, as I say, just going through this exercise and going, going back to that and the fact that I could immediately recollect these words. Um, yeah. I can't remember the whole poem, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, these couple of lines uh, still have, have stuck with me. Yeah, but well, that's often the way as well, though, isn't it, Alan? That you know, we'll we'll filter out the stuff that is less important to us, and and whether it be stories or poems or whatever it might be, and those things that are really important stick. Mm-hmm. They they are the ones that stick in our memory. So that's no no surprise, I guess, really, that the yeah. whole poem won't stick as much. Thank you, Alan. My next guest, a returning guest, is Jackie Arnold. Jackie, what have you got for us today? Please let it be. And when the broken-hearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer, let it be. <laughs> yeah. you know, because unless we come together with the people of the world and let those answers come from, the, from everyone yeah. as a group, you know, I mean, John Lennon had lots of wonderful sayings, but I think that one, you know, living in the world, the people living in the world agree, that there'll be an answer. Yeah. We need to come together for the COVID-19. Yeah. You know, we need to find a solution, a cure, uh, yeah. you know, an antidote. We, we, we need to, we need you know, an antidote. We need to find that. Well, it's incredible to think that uh, in this day and age, the, the leaders aren't getting together. You know, they seem to be running it very separately in different, uh, yes. different ways of dealing with it. And even the experts, I guess, as well, the medical experts as well. It's all I, about I, ego. You know, oh, we want it. We want yeah. to find the solution. We want to be the ones who get the breakthrough. Well, no, actually not. Yeah. We're a human race. We're human beings. We need to include everyone because there are wonderful minds out there. Why let them... You know, why hold it here? Let's let it out. Yeah. Let's collaborate. I, Let's find a solution. I, I quite like science fiction films. And, and I always think, you know, do we need a, an alien invasion to get us to be together as a whole nation? Well, in some ways, COVID could be seen as an alien invasion. Yes. And as it hasn't worked, <laughs> you know, we're still, yeah. we're still not working together and being together as a whole group. Communities as well. You know, COVID-19 mm. has actually created communities. People have mm. gone out there into their community mm-hmm. much more than they did beforehand. Well, I, I was going to ask you that because my sense, particularly at the start of the lockdown period back in March and, and into April maybe, and, and possibly into May, but less so just now, I felt people were getting together and the leaders were actually starting to be, in a, a rather paradoxical way, um, more human in a virtual world and uh, reaching out. People call the hypercare season, didn't they, the first part of it. And it would be lovely to retain that, but I get a sense that's that's starting to ebb away. I don't know whether you have the same thoughts. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we, we can't, you know, that we can no longer continue along the way that we are continuing. We can't. Mm. We've got to change things. Mm. And that's why I love the turn, 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 because, you know, there is a time now for peace and collaboration and getting together and working out solutions for the world, you know, for climate change. The, the UN 2030 goals, for example, are very close to my heart. You know, let's eradicate poverty. Let's let's look at the environment and the and the impact on the world that we're having as human beings, and let's do something about it. You know, get the leaders to think about that in, in a in a more of a calm space and make those wise decisions that they need to make right now. Yeah, and as well as world leaders, this is uh, this is something for organisational leaders as well, of course. Yes, uh, it is. That yeah. sense, that, I always get a sense that they're competing to win rather than competing in the true sense, you know, that they are not uh, looking at, uh, like they think everything's valuable and USP rather than the things that really is the, the bit that matters to an organisation. And, yeah, and collaboration is key. The values of the world, you know, to look at what, what are the values that, that we hold dear. And, and, you know, there's no point in having just a list of values or a list of uh, strategies that we're going to adhere to. No, are those in line with the environment? That mm. we're creating for our next generation mm. and if not let's change them mm. you know, or mm. work with others that are changing them mm. this is becoming more and more important i wonder what's going to really make those organizational leaders the kind of big ones uh, shift into more um uh, you know caring for the planet caring for the people in the planet uh, yes well, if we don't, we're not going to exist anymore. No. We just aren't. We, we're going no. to, you know, it's no point in saying we can live on Mars. Well, we can't, you know, we can't. No, no way we can at the moment, you know. So so let's look at our own world and see what we can do there to save yeah. the planet that we've got, the beautiful, wonderful, marvellous planet that we've got. But we yeah. need to collaborate with other countries to do so. We need to come together and agree and take those egos and put them well aside and say, yeah, no, we're one humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 and how? I think that's the kind of yes. $64 million question. Is how do we get people, men perhaps more so, as, as you highlighted, to break out of that ego-driven, competing-to-win scenario? Where Because in my mind, I'm thinking all the people that I would recognise as those that need to change in that way are unlikely to because they only see or the end of their nose in terms of time. They don't see time beyond their time too much. And uh, and if they only could, then we might have a chance to, to do something that doesn't necessarily seem to benefit this generation, but certainly benefits future generations. And, yes. And I think that's the conundrum. That, uh, we need people with vision. We need a few yeah. really vision-orientated uh, leaders at the moment. And, 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 and selfless. Yes, and selfless. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be selfless. And, and even selfless for the community that you're with right now, in some ways, if that makes sense. It's it's a, a sense that this community is going to build something for the future, not necessary for itself. And I think that's where we can start. You know, we can start with our own communities. I know mm. that, for example, in my community, people are saying, right, we're going to get together and we'll make sure we don't use as much plastic and how are we going to refuse to go into the supermarkets that do have plastic coverings and things like that. There are small things that every household can do, I think. Mm. And if we can start in that way and then influence as much as possible 
um, you know, in the coaching community, people are now coming together as well. You know, we've mm. got this global alliance that's, mm. that's going on at the moment. And I think that will be a movement to, to inspire people, hopefully. Mm. And mm. that's a global, a global movement, you know, of all mm. the coaching around the world. I mean, there are an awful lot of coaches around the world now. <laughs> I know. You know, when I, I started, know. there was, we, I went to my first European coaching conference that I helped to organize in Grindelwald in Switzerland in 2001. And wow. there were 300 of us then. <laughs> now there are sort of 30,000 know, or yeah. 300,000 probably. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, Changes can be made, and I think, you know, we can start small, one step. Yeah. Thank you, Jackie. And finally today, another returning guest, Brian Dobson. Brian, what are you bringing for us this time? Uh, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. That's really cool. And that's, that's kind of a loop back to the Wonderful Life one, right? Yeah, absolutely. In so that's, that's Maya Angelou, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, did you... I'm interested to know, was there anything in particular that shifted you from that out-and-out work that you started off talking about when you were sharing the Wonderful Life quote? Yeah. To, to more kind of important stuff. Was there something that triggered that for you that was word-based or just an event that then the word supported that? Uh, I, I think with, with this one, it was when I worked in, I moved into telecoms and I delivered a few projects. And then I started to notice actually what was really important was that despite all those challenges that you get in a project delivery with uh, with a customer, I realized I was still maintaining the relationships with those people months and years later. Uh, and we'd have a bit of a laugh about, you know, what, what happened in the past. And invariably, we couldn't even remember why it was hard work. But actually, what was important was we still had that relationship. And, and that's what I really like about that quote is it reminds me that it doesn't matter how tough a time you're going through. Uh, if you've got the relationship with someone, that will be maintained and, the, you know, the hard times will be forgotten. Yeah, yeah. Relationship is key, isn't it? Mm. You know, be, be kind to others and be generous with others. They'll remember it. Really important. And again, that wonderful life thing, you know, you're going to touch people without knowing you're going to touch them, so touch them purposely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than allow it to be chance. Yeah, I, I always used to have this little chat with myself about, well, do you know what? If I get somebody to uh, perform outside their expectations at work and then they get promoted and they get paid more and they send their child to a better school and then that child gets a great degree and, you know, cures cancer or, or you know, makes some sort of difference to the environment, you just never know what the impact is and, and how long it takes. Mm. Mm. You don't. And that's the wonderful thing, isn't it? I, I, the, the, the downside of its wonderful life is I always think, hmm, I'd love to know what happened to all the people that I've touched. <laughs> you know, yeah, has, yeah. has something wonderful happened or has it had a detrimental effect with the people that I've touched? You never know the result, do you? But, you know. Well, do, do you? But look, think about what we were talking about earlier, Kevin. You sort of posted about doing this sort of thing. You had so many people that have responded and gone, "Oh, yeah, I'm really interested in that." Either if you know, just to see the end result or to be involved and work with you again. I think that's a pointer. 
Yeah, it's a hard one to take for me. So, and I don't know whether you would recognize this, even though I live by that wonderful life ethos, that wonderful life message, I, I, I attempt to. Anyway, that's my, my consciousness is about, you know, I'm touching people's lives in some way, so do it purposely in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hard one for me to take when it comes back at me and says, yeah, that really was, it did change me or it did help me or it did do this. And uh, it's, it's hard for me to t- accept it was because of me. Does oh no, you've sense? got, you, yeah, it does, but you've got to do that. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, like I said, you know, the, I, I've written some of my articles because of my interaction with you. Uh, and, and, but the, actually the biggest thing for me was when we did that self-reflection exercise, it made me realize my core, one of my core values is fair play. And that if that's breached, that I lose my temper and, um, I manage that much better now as a result of, of going through that, that process with you. I recognize cool. that I don't like that being breached. I realize that I have to, you know, bang out the email, but don't send it or step away and go and have a cup of tea or stuff that I didn't do before. And, and oh, okay, cool. my upsetting people uh, is, is much better. But it's not only that. But I've, I've taken that whole mantra to my team now. And I've oh, said to them, good. if you can change a behavior, it will have the biggest impact on your career over anything you might learn about a product or a methodology or, or you know, certification you might get. Changing your behaviors is a, a really big thing. And, and some of the experiences off the back of that are amazing. I had one young lady in my team who... Um, I said, she said, well, I don't know what, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. Okay, fine. Look, just do some self-awareness training and we'll see what comes out of that. So she did it. I said, how did you get on? She said, it was wrong. Right, okay. I said, well, look, here's, here's another one. Try this. So she went off and did that. She came back and she went, yeah, this one's wrong as well. Okay, then. <laughs> so I just left it to it. She came back to me. I bumped into the office in about three months later. Uh, and she'd moved to a different team and she went, can I have a word for you? I went, yeah. And she went, those tests weren't wrong, were they? I went, I said, no, no they weren't. She said, I realise it now. <laughs> so, but that comes off talking to you, me implementing it in my team, and then somebody, you know, that, that completely changes that person. Oh, thank you. Um, and I've, you know, I've had other people. I had one, another lady working really hard all the hours, but um, wasn't delivering well. She wasn't having good relationships. Her health was poor, uh, and I, you know, got her to to have a different approach with her behaviours. And as a result of that, um, she was doing, you know, working smarter and achieving more. Had better relationships with her customers and uh, and internally, and she started doing Zumba. Oh, brilliant. And that's all because of the work that, that we did together. So, um, oh, that's, that's, Thank you so much for sharing that. The real magical moments of where those lives touch each other, I think for me are where there's standout memories for both. So there's kind of impact on both. And I know for sure that you impacted me that day just by pointing out my yellow bits, which I think I still got on here. And the care that you demonstrated to me that day, having only met me for a few hours. So, so that, that always stood out in my memory and, and plays out in some way in, in my behavior too. So for me, there's a reciprocal thing sometimes that's often missed in those wonderful life moments that other people shape George as well as George helped to shape other people in some way. And, uh, and, and those for me are the real moments, the real kind of fantastic moments in my life. Cause I, I'm aware of them too, you know, that moment where I'm not necessarily aware of how I may have touched the other person, but I'm aware of how that person touched me. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
just nice when you hear this there's a it's a two-way thing thanks brian sadly that's all i have time for today my thanks go out to all my guests alan mcintosh jackie arnold and of course brian dobson most of all my thanks go to you for listening I hope that in some way these words have inspired you and I look forward to bringing you more next time on Words Matter.